What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you had a fantastic weekend as the season of spring is finally here. And we know in the wrestling world, when spring shows up, so does WrestleMania. And there's a lot of WrestleMania talk to get into, a lot of wrestling talk to get into, as yesterday was certainly a big, big day in the world of pro wrestling. It's been a while since we've had two pay-per-views happening in the same day. We're going to talk about that and a bit more. But first of all, always a big thank you to everybody who joins us by way of social media. You guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you for staying connected to us. And if you're not, you can do it by following us at The Faction Show. Big shouts to everybody who joins us right here via our audio podcast. Thank you so much. And again, You can subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and rate us and leave a comment as well. It makes a massive difference in terms of the streaming platform that you're listening to us on, how they share us with others. So by all means, go ahead and do that. All right. With that said. There's a whole lot to get into, as it was certainly a very, very busy weekend in the world of pro wrestling. Let's start with a look at the SmackDown ratings from over the weekend, as this week's episode of SmackDown drew in an average of 1.946 million viewers, which is down from last week's 2.01 million viewers, down by about 60,000 viewers. And again, it was the go-home show for Fastlane. It is the first time that SmackDown has dipped under 2 million viewers since the February 12th edition of SmackDown, and it's only the third time all year that SmackDown has been under 2 million viewers. It was a big night as it was Edge's in-ring return to SmackDown, his first time wrestling on SmackDown in 10 years, and I have to tell you, certainly going into Fastlane, I really loved how the story was developing between Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan, and I'll get into that more in just a few minutes. With that said, we're going to go to the Fastlane pay-per-view as Fastlane took place, of course, last night from the Thunderdome, and it is the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, Uh, so certainly it's got WrestleMania-like implications, sort of, and here's what I mean. There were no title changes during this, so that meant all of the champions retained, including Riddle, who retained his U.S. championship against Mustafa Ali in the kickoff match, and it then seemingly saw Ali ousted as the leader of Retribution. Really interesting stuff there. The tag team champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, retained their women's tag team championships over Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Braun Strowman defeated Elias as Elias stepped in in place of Shane McMahon. Then Big E defeated Apollo Crews to retain the Intercontinental Championship. More on that in just a few minutes. Seth Rollins defeats Shinsuke Nakamura. Drew McIntyre defeats Sheamus. Alexa Bliss defeated Randy Orton with the emergence of The Fiend. And I'll talk about that. And then Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship against Daniel Bryan. 
So there's a lot to unpack, and I'll do my best to do that as expeditiously as possible. Let's start with the tag team title match. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair. By the way, I should have given a disclaimer that there are going to be spoilers on here if you've not watched Fastlane. So at this point, I've kind of spoiled it for you somewhat, so my apologies there. But you know what to do. And certainly you can go back and watch it on the WWE Network or Peacock, which I will get into as well. So starting with the tag team title match, personally, you know, there were obviously a couple of ways this could have gone. We could have had Sasha and Bianca win the tag titles and either fight as tag team champions at Mania or lose the titles before Mania. Certainly this felt, again, kind of like a main event bait and switch type of thing between Hogan and Savage and that whole situation and so now we are starting to get some heat between Sasha and Bianca I really think this is a scenario number one where you don't necessarily have to have a ton of heat on this one but if you are gonna go there go full on let Sasha full on be heel and do something pretty dastardly so that we would not like her and certainly put all of our energy behind seeing Bianca win this match Sasha merely slapping Bianca uh you know calling her rookie and that type of thing eh, I don't know that that's the strongest buildup but We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks as, again, we have less than three weeks for this buildup. I just hope that they don't screw the buildup up, and there certainly have been some opportunities to get this right. Shane McMahon not showing up for this Braun Strowman match. I have to tell you, I've not really been that invested in Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. It certainly sounds like another potential Shane McMahon WrestleMania appearance. Why? Not exactly sure, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Perhaps the most confusing moment of the night, Biggie Apollo Crews. Great match, physical match, amazing story coming into it, lackluster ending. And the fact that nobody really talked about the ending, we didn't see a replay of the ending. It almost felt to me like, hey, we're out of time. Let's just wrap this up. And uh, I don't know what that does for the Apollo buildup. I felt like Apollo had to win this match for us to really believe in this new direction that Apollo's going. The fact that he didn't win and he just kind of kept beating him up, it just... Again, it didn't exactly translate, perhaps, as it should have. And I don't know what this does for Apollo. I'm pretty sure what it means is that they're going to try to give Apollo a WrestleMania moment with a rematch. I don't know what kind of match it needs to be. I don't know what you do on this one. But I definitely think that part of what needed to happen was Apollo win this match, become the Intercontinental Champion, and they have that rematch, of course, at WrestleMania. But we'll see. Again, time will tell. Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins. I would have loved to have seen this match a couple of years ago. I think Shinsuke Nakamura as the king of strong style uh, would have certainly had a different result against Seth Rollins. I thought it was a good match. I really did think it was a good match. Easily one of the most physical matches, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus. The buildup, the promo done before it, the package that was done before it was absolutely stellar. I think McIntyre and Sheamus, again, they are great rivals. I again hate that a match like this really did not mean anything. Win or lose, McIntyre was still going to WrestleMania to face Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. 
This is one of the reasons why I think the fast lane pay-per-view needs to be done away with. I've said it before, it has never done adequate buildup to WrestleMania. It has always been a filler. And like on a great album, who wants filler tracks? Just give me the tracks that I care about. And I really wish WWE uh, had done that with this fast lane pay-per-view. If it wasn't going to mean anything, let it go. All of these things could have been handled on Raw or SmackDown. With that said, I think they did leave the two most meaningful moments for the end of the night, starting with Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton. We didn't know how this was going to go, but here's what we did know. Alexa Bliss was going to do something wild, and it was going to make way for The Fiend to show up. And I have to tell you, I'm sure Jim Cornette's going to, you know, crap all over this, and there may be others, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was emotional. It had you jarred. It certainly had you feeling horror vibes. And Alexa Bliss is nothing to fool with. And I love the way The Fiend returned. And I'm sure some, you know, didn't like it. But here's the thing. If he was indeed burned alive and brought back from the dead, this is how it should be, right? Like unrecognizable. I mean, it's a great story. And it also cemented to me this, that the fiend Bray Wyatt no longer needs, and I don't know that he ever needed to be a world champion, but in this space, doesn't need to be a world champion and probably isn't looking to be a world champion. There is one thing I'm wondering, though. I'm wondering, so what ultimately happens with the fiend like this, right? Like, you don't go back to being Bray Wyatt. I think we lose, of course, the super cool moments in the Firefly Funhouse, that's gone. Um, I, I just don't know where this ends up going, but I love the return of The Fiend. Again, we're not going to get any interviews with him, I'm sure, but I do want to see where this goes, and God only knows where this WrestleMania match is going to go. I think it's going to be another cinematic masterpiece. And after the Firefly Funhouse match last year, which I still think does not get nearly as much attention as it should, I wonder what they're going to cook up this time. Let's just hope it doesn't look anything like the last time these two got together in a cinematic match. Well, with that said, okay, very, very quickly, I don't know that I ever really want a, a Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton match again. Those matches just don't deliver as perhaps they should have, but maybe this will be different. I hope it will. We'll find out. Of course, the night ended with Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Phenomenal match. Phenomenal match. These two can do no wrong. It was just amazing. I mean, I loved the match. The Edge piece of it, there were moments I forgot Edge was out there, which meant that these guys were doing what they needed to do. But when Edge got involved, it got really interesting. And I got to tell you, I'm a little confused emotionally, which is probably really good. I don't know if I'm supposed to be cheering for Edge right now or not, given the way he cost Daniel Bryan the championship. But I will maintain my theory that somehow this is going to turn into a triple threat match at WrestleMania 
with Daniel Bryan being inserted into the title match. After all, he did make Roman Reigns tap out, which I think is a move. And again, if Edge is the referee, the referee is not supposed to get involved. The enforcer is not supposed to get involved. So all of this is going to be interesting. I do want to see how this plays out, but I don't see it being Edge versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I see a triple threat. And we're going to see how this thing works itself out. And it should be very, very fun to watch. That's your look at Fastlane. We're going to come back and take a quick look at the NWA's return at Back for the Battle. This is SHW25. What goes up? It's got to come down. He's oh, got to go. Wait a second. Bull Buchanan's in the house here at SHW25. And he's going toe to toe with Austin Towers. Hey, look at the ring, GB. Wait a minute. Heads up, GB. Over the top. Somersault plancha. Oh, no, 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 not no. Like this. No. All right, guys, the NWA made their triumphant return yesterday. And I have to tell you, it kind of took me back to roughly 1988 with the head-to-head -head battle between the NWA, ironically, and WWE. Their debut clash of the champions against Fastlane. The only difference, of course, is that this battle, the NWA's return back for the battle, actually took place at 4 p.m. Eastern prior to... To fast lane. So what would this pay-per-view be like? The return of the NWA. There are a lot of things that are different. Perhaps the one thing that's best is that they have made a return to GPB Studios here in Atlanta. I think that is the right home for them. I think they made some moves that are different. They did not have their normal crowd. I do believe they had some stagehands, fill-ins, folks from the back who kind of provided some in-house live crowd noise which was certainly a good thing when they stopped you could feel that empty arena feel but by and large i felt like the crowd interaction felt normal like an nwa crowd would except obviously the nwa crowd would be both hotter and certainly more verbose because there'd just simply be more of them right with that said Major changes in the NWA. First change at the commentary booth, Joe Galley returns and he's joined by former NWA champion Tim Storm. Now, let's just kind of put some things behind this. Your previous commentators in that role, Jim Cornette, Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett. Tim Storm was not bad at all. I thought Tim Storm did a fairly decent job, but I do think he had some big shoes to fill. With that said, uh, the pay-per-view was less than two hours, which I should also mention that Fastlane was less than three hours. I don't necessarily think that a shorter pay-per-view is bad in terms of less than three hours for WWE. I do think that a less than two hour pay-per-view for the NWA may not have been a good thing in terms of showing how much they have left, right? And I say how much they have left because they've lost quite a bit in this year of pandemic. Several of their major draws like Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, Stu Bennett, Allison Kay, uh, Marty Bell, a number of folks that we were watching for are no longer there in the NWA. Of course, we had the loss of the question mark, a.k.a. Joseph Hudson. 
which was highlighted strongly during the pay-per-view. We did see some debuts as Tyrus showed up, as Chris Masters, a.k.a. Chris Adonis, showed up. And so you had some new talent there. There were no title changes, so shout out to the Pope who remained the television champion. Trevor Murdoch retained his national championship. Of course, Nick Aldis retained his world championship. But kind of my overview of this is it's got me wondering, is the NWA like an independent organization? And what I mean by independent organization is I don't get the major brand vibe from the NWA, the vibe that you'd get from AEW or WWE or even Ring of Honor at this point, or even Impact Wrestling at this point. One of the major moments, I think, was the women's match between Thunder Rosa and Camille, with Camille winning and becoming the new number one contender. I found it, let me be careful with my wording here, but I did find it almost disingenuous that the NWA did not mention AEW by name. They referred to Thunder Rosa's match against Britt Baker last week, but they called it a, a hardcore match. And they did not refer to Britt Baker. They did not refer to AEW. And I struggle with that. The reason I struggle with that is the reason that we've seen the NWA Women's World Championship in the last year has had everything to do with Tony Khan and AEW. In fact, your NWA Women's World Champion is an AEW contracted wrestler. So I did have a problem with AEW being so kind and benevolent to the NWA and the NWA not returning the favor with at least a mention. Now, I'm sure some could make the argument and say, hey, the NWA is coming back. The last thing they need to do is brand another organization. I get that, but I do think there's also or should be gratitude for another organization offering their platform while you were MIA. Let's face it, we saw the NWA Women's World Championship on AEW way more than we saw it on the NWA in the last year because the NWA really wasn't giving us much in the way of content. So I wonder if this is a way for Thunder Rosa to kindly and quietly exit the NWA. I don't know if she's going to want to work both the NWA and AEW. I'll be intrigued to see what power looks like this week. Speaking of power, NWA Power is back, and you can access it on Fight TV for a subscription, a paid subscription, that is, and I'm intrigued to see if you will go ahead and pay to watch NWA Power. With that said, I felt like there were some major production issues. Well, let's not say major, because the NWA has had major production issues in pay-per-view land before. I won't say that they're major, but I will say that there are things that could have been avoided. Things like audio issues, right, which still is an issue for the NWA, making sure levels were right. And then there was one point where they were doing a 10-bell salute to some of the uh, fallen soldiers of the NWA, which included Jimmy Crockett Jr. Uh, and a few other folks. And you can hear the director telling the person to ring the bell to ring it 10 times. And they ultimately don't ring it 10 times. They ring it six. Now you might say, hey, I'm being picky. But I do think in this era where there are other independent organizations that really have things in lockstep, if the NWA is coming back, they've got to have these things right. 
and not getting them right could cause more harm than good for the NWA product. They did have different camera angles, which I enjoyed. The hard camera was not focused on the audience, but it was from the perspective of the audience, which then did not have you focus visually on the audience or lack thereof in the arena. I thought that was a good move as well. And bottom line, it's good to have the NWA back. How will they rebound after having lost so much talent? We'll obviously start to find that out on Tuesday with Power. The loss, of course, of the question mark was a big, big loss because he was certainly one of the most popular wrestlers there in the NWA. And they did, I thought, a really great job of honoring Joseph Hudson couple of other things. David Marquez, who's been the interviewer for the NWA since their return, is no longer there. Also, you have backstage interviewer now. It's May Valentine. But my issue with this is May Valentine, prior to this, was involved in some backstage vignettes that looked like she was going to be doing a vlog. I don't know that I take her seriously as a journalist. So, and I don't want to sound overly critical, so please forgive me if I do. But it does say this, we have missed the NWA for a year, and it certainly feels like it's going to take them a bit to become a much smoother delivering product than what they had when they were moving, uh, certainly at their height of NWA power. Excited to see power back this Tuesday. We'll see what happens with that. Two other very quick things before we get out of here. They're connected to WWE. Andrade, who last week asked for his release and was denied, was granted his release last night from WWE. This is a big move, and it's a big move for a couple of reasons. Andrade, I feel, has been one of the most underutilized and misused talents in WWE. His time in NXT, I thought, was absolutely stellar. I thought early on, WWE was starting to do some good things with him, but certainly things have not been the same for him this year. Think about this. Last year, he was involved in a tag team title match at WrestleMania. This year, he's not even involved with the company. And so it's very wild. Now, here's the other thing that's interesting. Of course, we know he was tied to the hip with Zelina Vega. When Zelina Vega gets released, all of a sudden now, of course, you've got this breakup with them. He's barely used. Now, his real-life girlfriend, Charlotte Flair, is no longer on WrestleMania promo. There's a story there that we're actually trying to find out. Now, on one hand, she is off shooting a movie, but that never stopped her from WrestleMania. If you remember, it was barely two weeks ago where she did a promo and said she wanted the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Is Charlotte in hot water with WWE? There's definitely an issue there. Mum seems to be the word, but uh, I know there are some folks who feel like, hey, Charlotte Flair is not going anywhere. I beg to differ. I think the Flair name is certainly strong and she's respected. And if she chooses to leave WWE, if there is a strong enough issue, she'd be an amazing addition to somebody else's women's division if she chose to do that. So this is going to be very interesting to watch. We've seen people have issues with WWE before. In some cases, we've seen how it's gone. I am surprised that they granted Andrade his release, and there are certainly options for him. He could return to LIJ, certainly in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He could make his way over to AEW. I don't know what he's going to do. He could head back to Mexico and work with AAA or CMLL. There are lots of options for Andrade. I hope he takes up 
any of those options and he goes someplace that's going to actually value his presentation. One other thing before we go, Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil as hosts of WrestleMania. I think I'm going to save that for a hot take. Yeah, I think that's worthy of a hot take. With that said, I certainly want to hear your thoughts on today's somewhat extended show. Let us know what you think by hitting us up via social media at The Faction Show. Definitely want to hear from you and get your thoughts. Also want to hear what you'd like for us to do a hot take on. Let us know that as well. We've got some hot takes coming for you this week, so be on the lookout for that. And of course, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We're going to get out of here. Hope you have an amazing start to your week. Keep it locked. We're going to have all sorts of great, great news coming your way. My name is GB. I'm representing from my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. Collectively, we're known as The Faction. I need my people, here we go